I'm sorry, isn't that... Yeah, that's me, all right. And the guy standing next to me is President Gerald Ford. And this is when I was on tour with the Smashing Pumpkins. Oh, and here's a picture of me in outer space. You? When in outer space? You? Sure. You've never been? Would you like to see my Grammy Award? Hey, it's Tardy to the party. He's Bill Munter, and I'm Daniel Rudis. Bill and Pop Cultural Holes and Ferris PC. We miss the first time around. We do something else every other week that's Disney related, but whatever. We're not talking about this week. This week we're filling a hole with Bill Hat, and we're stuffing it full of Mozart, because we're going to be talking about a movie with a lot of Mozart in it. Yeah, my, my hole is so big it can only be filled by a three hour movie about. What's his name? William Randolph Mozart? Whatever the fuck his name is. William Randolph Mozart uh, Alexander Scott. Yeah, Rocky. <laughs> right before we started recording, I forgot. I just remembered the Rock Me Amadeus, the Rock Me Dr. Zaius parody from mm-hmm. The Simpsons, and I was just watching that. I think I found oh. this week's lead in music. Uh, <laughs> I love shit. Uh, yeah, so what do you know about Mozart? Do you know what I think about uh, him first? I mean, you're a ballet dancer, so I'm assuming you must have danced to some of his music, I guess. Probably at some point, I'm sure. I mean, did he write... He wrote operas. I guess ballet is a plot point in this movie, but I don't know. It's not like he wrote a ballet or anything like that. Here's the thing about classical music. <laughs> it all sucks. You... Sh- you... No. You give me a piece of classical music, and I can say, yes, I've heard that, or yes, I like that. You tell him, ask me to name it, I'll be like, I don't know, Concerto God. Number D and F Murray Abraham? I don't know. Why? Because they're all named like shit. Why? I think that's the thing that doomed classical music on the larger scale in the pop culture history is that, like, you can't just listen to a piece of music and go, oh, that's good, what's the name of that? Because when you hear the name, it's something you can't fucking remember unless you write it to <laughs> tattoo it on the back of your hand. Yeah. And then it's still, to make another Simpsons reference, the name is going to be so long, you need, have to need a giant hand <laughs> to, 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 to be able to encompass <laughs> the length of that entire... Yeah, D, Toccata Fugue and D Major, blah, blah, blah. Like, that is, for music that is supposed to be filled with such passion, the names sound like they were cooked up by fucking robots and yeah. so even then i i, I i've I found the, like the, the soundtrack to this movie to use in this week's podcast and even then trying to figure out which like specific like pieces of music were used in which scenes it's all just like uh just even looking at the names of that shit just my eyes glaze over and i'm like i just want to go back playing the new super mario brothers collection like fuck this shit um mm. which is even more amazing that i had the tolerance to sit through a movie about Mozart. I don't know shit about Mozart. Not just once, but twice in the last two weeks. Um, You're a mad lad. Fucking out of my mind. Well, it doesn't help that we're in the middle of a pandemic, so it's not like I'm doing anything else right now. But I suppose uh, the genesis of this week's episode is as simple as, oh, the new Bill and Ted movie came out, Bill and Ted Face the Music. And one of the historical people shows up, and that is Mozart. <laughs> and I think mm. I was just like looking through some of my old music. Uh, or some of my old movies on uh, my media drive. And I was like, oh yeah, I guess I do have that old Amadeus movie. And a long time ago, when my friend uh, Dylan and I, we moved in together, um, she put up a poster of Amadeus, the movie, and she was all like, oh, what is... I think she had, like, the poster signed by, like, two people who were, like, in a production of Amadeus she had seen. And um, I was like, oh, that's cool. And she's like... 
You're not impressed by this? You've never seen Amadeus? And I'm like, why would I see Amadeus? Look who you're fucking talking to. I'm made of <laughs> Star Wars. I, I cannot imagine Dylan putting up a poster and saying, you're not impressed by this poster, Bill. <laughs> I, that's how I misremember again. I'm sure from her perspective, it wasn't quite like that. But... You are not impressed really? by my piece of paper yeah. with a printed image on it? How dare you, sir? Have you even seen the poster for Amadeus? Even the poster yeah. is boring. Where it's just like a guy with his hand. <laughs> And that, like, that's it. I'm just like, why would make? Why would anyone want to watch this on purpose? And so that's my history with Amadeus the movie. So I thought on a whim, because I was kind of curious. Because I was well, the funny thing is too, because Mozart shows up in Bill and Ted three, and I was like, was it who the who shows up in Bill and Ted the first Bill and Ted movie? It's Beethoven, right? Because the joke is they call him Beethoven. And I was like, what's yeah, the difference so. between Beethoven and Mozart? Part of me was like, aren't they the same dude? I'm like, oh, no, they are actually two separate guys. And I looked it up. I'm like, oh, they actually kind of lived kind of within, I think, was it Bach? Or is it Beethoven? Or I think, like, so they had some kind of connections, and people aren't quite sure if Beethoven and Mozart ever met. I don't know the whole thing. But I thought uh, I'd watch the uh, movie. What's his name? Soleus or Sedeus <laughs> or Severius? He, he, Solari? Uh, yeah, he... Um tutored beethoven oh really oh, okay so did you know that or did you just find that out while researching stuff for this you know you i am quite the <laughs> expert well, i was gonna be surprised I, I if you know that out. shit off the top of your head and so no. it was a simple i mean i did know it off the top of my head because but that's because of knowledge i learned two days ago <laughs> exactly <laughs> so. yeah well, so uh, part of me was also just more of a curiosity i'm like uh when bell and ted pick up well, I guess it's not even actually Bill and Ted. I can't believe we watched Amadeus because of Bill and Ted. Well, that's the thing. I was like, well, what year? What's next, Bill? What's next? The Genghis Khan movie starring John Wayne? I would fuck. Don't tempt me because there's other. Because they do. I'm trying to think of He doesn't people. kill any mannequins in that. I'll, I'll tell you that much right now. I mean, if you want to pull that, like, we could watch The Young Guns 1 and 2 because Billy the Kid. And I will gladly mm -hmm. do that in a heartbeat and use Bill and Ted as a justification for watching that shit. But no, yeah, it was as simple as like, well, Mozart showed up in Bill and Ted. Well, you know, and there's a little bit they kind of make a joke about the magic flute. And I was like, is, is Mozart, oh, was that I... actually the magic one? Like, actually, that is becomes a plot point in the movie. So I just fired up to kind of watch it on a whim. And I watched the first half hour. And I was like, oh, this is actually kind of interesting. And... Like, I thought it was going to be more about Mozart himself, and, like, I thought it was going to be a biopic where they talk about, like, like this is the birth of, like, how we learn. But no, the movie's actually all about Salieri and how Salieri's a jealous bitch. And it's more of a black comedy than it is an actual, like, biopic about Amadeus. It's not like you really find out anything much about, like, where Amadeus came from and how he learned to be a genius musician or anything like that. And over the course mm -hmm. of a week, uh, I was, uh, like, that, that first first half hour intrigued me that, yeah, for the course of a week, I essentially just watched the movie in, like, half-hour installments. But because I was watching the director's cut, that fucking thing's three hours long. And so that took a week, like, yeah. six nights of half an hour. How long is the... How long is the not director cut? I think it's like two and a half hours. I, th I thanks for making me watch the director's <laughs> cut. Bill. Well, now you never have. Now you never. Then, then you're never gonna be tempted to go back and rewatch it because you're like, you're never gonna be like, oh, I. Part of me wants to know what bits they cut out, so maybe I'll have to rewatch that movie with the director's cut again. No, now you've seen the whole shebang. You never have to see Amadeus again because you've watched the director's cut. Um, and I guess the only thing new in the director's cut, there's the when he goes to teach the lady. Uh, well, it's the guy with the dogs, and then they keep on barking while he's trying to teach the the daughter. Uh -huh. 
And then he comes back later towards the end of the film to bum money off of that guy, and... I forget what the other scene is, but there's only, like, two or three scenes there. Which speaks to how slow this movie moves, that, like, three scenes can equal up to, like, 20 minutes of... Like... I hope there was more talking about how there's too many notes in the... Oh, uh, yeah. I think I've heard people... I think maybe that's one of the other references I've heard directly about this movie is the joke... The, the the emperor is all like there's too many notes in this music which i guess supposedly have ah that's the other thing like no one's quite sure like mozart's life is cloaked in enough mystery and and an overblown myth that like like it's it's all big awful but um what do you think of mozart oh Medeus, what are the <laughs> fuck we're calling it I didn't take any notes because this is three hours and it would have taken me eight hours well, to get through. The plot's not that but... complicated. I mean, it's a, it's more. No, than it's the movie not because it's just uh, yeah, fucking. It's not. Yeah. But... Do you know F. Murray Abraham from anything? I feel like I do, but I can't. <laughs> oh, and that's it. my other reference for this movie. Is have I can't? I'm sure I've asked you this before. Have you seen Last Action Hero? Yes. AF Murray Abraham's in Last Action Hero because the whole joke is that like the main kid, he's from our world and so he's recognizing all these actors in the movie. He sees F. Murray Abraham and he's like, You killed Mozart. And F. Murray Abraham's like, What are you talking about? I don't even know what Mozart and I think he, the joke is like because he's he's a cop. He's like Mozart, is that a, like Italian gangster guy or something like that? And so it's funny now that I actually get to well, see No, they remember the scene where Arnold Schwarzenegger sitting when the kid comes home and listening to classic music. He's like, what is this? Oh, yeah. This is amazing. There's nothing like this in my universe. Oh, that's right. I think there's... Because they don't have... Uh, because apparently there's no classical music in action movies. Unless you think... Unless the bad guy's listening to it while he's killing people. You think that would be the only... The only context for, for, for yeah, Mozart music existing in, in the last action hero universe, but... Nah, man, that sucks, because I, like, I was hoping to do Last Action Hero on the podcast sometime, because that movie is so oh, fucking I'm, stupid. Hey, yeah, we've never done anything <laughs> like that. Yeah. Actually, I should do, for my next pick, should be Last Action Hero, just to follow up with this. Anyway, so, yeah, I, you know what, the, 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 that's, that's the thing I think that really, like, I think that's the thing that kind of hooked me, was realizing this wasn't just going to be a dry biopic about the life of Mozart from birth to death. Uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> you can, I, it was the fact that it's just a very dry black comedy about uh, Salieri being a jealous bitch the whole time. This movie's essentially the Frank Grimes episode of The Simpsons, or um, Yzma from Emperor's New Groove uh, getting pissed off at Cusco for, for, for three hours and in live action. I kind of appreciate that. It's 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 rare that you see a movie uh, that will dedicate three hours to, to someone just being a jealous asshole of someone else. Mm -hmm. And I thought F. Murray Abraham's pretty good. His makeup's terrible. <laughs> um, I, it's not as bad as it would be now. Now he'd be all swollen and puffy because they don't know how to do old age well, makeup anymore. Well, they do that thick. Well, they, they, the technology has gotten better. So instead of just like plastic latex, now it's like silicone rubber that is like kind of translucent stuff. But they pile it on so thick. Like it's the difference between the Emperor and Return of the Jedi. And like mm. technically that makeup's worse because it's more like just it's like monster makeup. But, like, it's more advanced makeup in the Star Wars prequels. But they add, puts on so much makeup, he's puffier and fatter looking. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, <laughs> Sally Harry looks like a fucking melting wax, ca wax candle when he's old in this movie. But yeah, he's, he's, he kills him, he tries to kill himself. Which is also funny, too, because, did you see anything about, the, like, the genesis of this story about how, like, S Salieri in real life. I mean, this is the Mozart was a real guy. Salieri was. I mean, everyone in this movie was. Wait, whoa, 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 whoa! <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> they didn't invent uh, what? people. They for were this. real guys. Like, 
as much wow. yeah well uh, at least all the characters in the movies all existed but it sounds like the basic plot was 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 cooked up because oh yeah um there's no document uh, salieri was married Oh yeah, all the, especially the details of Sarah's Larry's life is just totally that lady that he's like, oh Mozart totally banged her, and I wanted to do that. It was his wife. Oh really? So I didn't even yeah. see that, which is funny. I pointed this out before too because there was something else we saw her that that lady, the singing lady. We've seen her in something else. Oh god, did I write a note? I hope I did. Um, about how she's oh she's the mom in Mac and Me. We've seen that lady in something else before. Wait, which one? The 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 the, who, the character is who in real life is essentially Salieri's wife, the singer lady that Mozart supposedly bangs. Oh yeah, yeah. Like the super songstress lady. Yeah, she's yeah. the mom in Mac and Me that was only made a couple years after this, and she actually oh. she shows up. She's actually the head quote unquote villain in, in Steven Universe too. So she went from an award winning. <laughs> what I'm like what happened to her? She was in Mac and Me. Critically pro. Uh, <laughs> Critically Darling oh my God, movie, yeah. and then she went to McDonald's. Well, I was clicking on the cast list. I was I was looking. I was I was thinking about buying the movie in iTunes, like so could we watch it with subtitles while we were uh, recording this episode, and it's too expensive. Uh, so I said, "Fuck that." But I was clicking through the mm -hmm. cast list, and iTunes does the thing: if you click, click through the cast list, you can see other stuff people are in. And I clicked on her, and I saw Mac and me. And I'm like, "Wait, what?" <laughs> I was like, "How is somebody from Amadeus also in Mac and me?" Oh my god, the world is funny, but... Uh, but yeah, I... Hey, why does everybody in this movie look like they eat farts? <laughs> well... <laughs> Especially that one guy. And you know which guy I'm talking you about. You mean Jeffrey Jones? Guy. Oh, you know. Well... I know who you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. He looks like he's made out of farts. Sweating uh -huh. farts. He's <laughs> eating and just <laughs> devouring all the farts. That guy, you know which is funny too, because that guy and another guy who's part of the Emperor's Court... They're two. I know those guys. Well, I mean, not, not personally, but uh, both of those guys showed up in my favorite movie about the American Revolution, which that's a very mm. sad statement to make. Seventeen seventy six. Seventeen seventy six. Which have you seen that? I can't remember if we've talked about that. Before. No, no. Uh, but yeah, we've always talked about it. But... The nineteen seventy two version of the of the stage play. Yeah, the fat guy, the fat suit, the guy who looks like he's a sweating fart, and one of the other guys <laughs> of the court. Uh, which I don't know if that's intentional, but the fact that they're both from that movie and they're both kind of paired together and most of their scenes together i kind of get the it, it seems like that's kind of a, like an intentional little bit of casting there but yeah that guy's constantly just like oh my god someone get him a ceiling fan or something like that because that guy's and it's like, it's like they cast him because they obviously wanted like re really kind of grotesque looking people for the emperor's court and so they got he's like who's the most grotesque mission fat guy they accomplished yeah <clears throat> which is also funny too because uh, the, 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 the dad with the dogs that I mentioned before is, like, in the deleted scenes, he played Baron Harkonnen in the David Lynch, uh, Dune movie, which came out the same year as this, but, um, yeah. which, I don't know if you've ever seen David Lynch's Dune. No. I only saw that for the first time, like, about a year ago, and that's recent enough that, like, I don't know, would you ever want to talk about Dune on the podcast? Yeah, my dad was, he loved Dune to death. The books? And I tried... Yeah, yeah, and I tried to start reading it uh, several several times. And I was like, "This is so thick." I tried to and do the, exactly just, the same thing, and I yeah, I'd burn out constantly. So. Um, I had a, I was lucky enough to watch Dune with a bunch of friends, so we had a good time watching it. I don't know how it would be just like watching it by yourself for the podcast. Yeah, because it is David Lynch. It is David Lynch, and I fucking hate it's the only David Lynch movie I've seen that I didn't want to punch in the face. So I guess that's the highest mm. compliment I could pay it. But, um, 
Um, but what am I saying? But yeah, <laughs> Fart Guy. His eyeballs look so grotesque. <laughs> like, uh-huh. He's such a character. He gives fat men a bad name. Because, <laughs> like, it's one thing to be fat, but when your face, when your eyeballs, when you look like you're custom designed by, like, the, the Return of the Jedi creature shop to be a fat man, that's not a good sign, but... Um, but yeah, that's, so I guess the Jedi, so, go ahead. <laughs> now, you asked me what I thought of it like half an hour ago, yeah. so I guess I should ask. It was fine. I'd actually, I'd probably watch it again if I had three hours and nothing else to do. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm glad to see you um, didn't absolutely hate it. Cause we, we, we could have watched I, like a WrestleMania instead. I but... did. I did have issues. Like I felt like it was pretty well cast, but I felt like the guy who was playing Mozart was in a different movie. If a that little makes bit. Like, he, there's something about he him. He, he, he fit in more at near the end of the movie, but the first part, I, he, he, he felt like he was in an eighties movie, not a like period piece timeless yeah movie, you know what actually something. oh man i saw a little bit of trivia i think he plays one of the guys in animal house actually yeah which in retrospect that totally i could totally that kind of energy he has when he's like young and abrasive um mm-hmm. yeah he doesn't really because well i mean i guess that maybe that's intentional because so much of the rest of the cast is kind of like esteemed i mean they're acting that way because they're all part of like this you know upper crust viennese society and he's supposed to be like he comes in well he's also got like the punk like wig, which is kind of ridiculous, because like that's uh, if anything marks this movie as being a product of the eighties is, is his is the wigs that motherfucker wears throughout all this movie. Um, but yeah, no, I could totally see. I I mean, I like his performance, but it is definitely not on the same like I, I hate to say level because it makes it sound like it's worse than everyone else, but it does does feel like he's ex- existing in a different reality, and maybe not in the way that the filmmakers intended too. Mm. Um, have you seen that guy in anything else? Which one? The, the guy who played Mozart. Yeah, I've seen Animal House. Oh, really? That's yeah. something... I mean... No, you don't need to see it. That, no, I mean... I really I, don't. On paper, I because I know it's such a big comedy thing. I mean, but we already did Caddyshack. Hey, you know those other big comedies <laughs> that we did from that that's era? Yeah. After Caddyshack, and, and knowing that, like, Animal House is, is supposed to be, like, Caddyshack times ten, and also fucking... What's his face? Fucking... The dude who chopped people up with a helicopter. I don't want to. Yeah. We already did the Blues Brothers. We don't have to do more of his shit. But uh, (laughs) I forgot that saxophonist got cut in half. (laughs) (laughs) The best jokes I've ever done on the podcast. Um, But yeah, Tom Hulse plays Mozart. Um, The only thing I've ever seen him in, he does the voice of Quasimodo in The Hunchback of Notre Dame, Disney's version. Yeah. And it's kind of funny because I've seen that movie enough times. Again, my friend Dylan, she loves that movie. And so I've seen that movie a bunch of times, and it's, it was kind of funny to hear Quasimodo's voice coming out of this little man, a little punk rock, a uh, little, little powdered wig. Um, F. What did you think of F. Murray Abraham? He was really good. Yeah, he was. You know, it was weird, too, because I actually... <clears throat> I'm trying to... How do I phrase this without sounding like an asshole? I... <laughs> well, I... It's never stopped you before. This is something I didn't... <laughs> I know exactly. This is something I didn't appreciate until watching it a second time. I actually watched it all the way through as a normal movie the second time last night, just for the uh, refresh for the podcast. Because I... The first time I watched it was actually a couple weeks ago, so I wanted to refresh. Um, it's mm. interesting that when he's playing the old man, I... I thought is It's kind of overdone because he's so, like, effeminate and... And kind of, like... He comes across as almost like one of the Golden Girls when he's an old man telling his story to the priest. But I do like how that kind of because he's such a buttoned-up guy. Oh, when I we, thought he did that really. No, well. no, I'm not saying it's bad or anything like that. But it's oh. it's an acting decision that didn't occur to me until watching it a second time, where I could tell the difference between 
how he's behaving when he's in the insane asylum telling the story versus how buttoned up he is as Salieri in the past. Because he's so mm-hmm. distinguished and he's he's the foreigner and he doesn't want to let anything slip. And it's kind of funny to see him just in in when he's narrating, he's so like even his hand gestures and everything, he's so like fluid and he's obviously like gone beyond giving a shit at what anyone thinks about him anymore. Which is kind of a subtle decision, but I thought was kind of nice. And it also kind of makes him seem older and daughtering. I mean, he is playing like a character version of his, the same character that's like 30 years on. But also the fact that like he's like it's interesting because it really does suggest that he stopped caring whatever what other people think about him. So obviously he doesn't have to worry about that because he's in an insane asylum. But um, yeah, and he, the fact that he's able to do such a good performance through five pounds of terrible old age makeup is is pretty good too. Um, but the movie did a very good job at. Uh... Or maybe it was the original play that did it. I don't yeah, know. that's that's. I'm not quite it, sure but, how much we should be um, praising the original playwright versus the filmmakers, but yeah, it did a very good job of them explaining like the music and how people would have like been at the time, like the, when he first is talking about the oboe, the single note, and then the flute comes in and takes it over. And that's. That. I think that's. They did it. Yeah, they did. That was very impressive that they were able to uh, uh, communicate that in in words um why it would have been impressive at the time which although man old-timey people <laughs> come on what in, in regards to what to the stuff they like just everything the fact that you oh. can be that amazed by one oboe coming in and being like oh, that yeah. oboe made me come in my pants that was the most amazing mm-hmm. thing i would ever seen and then you come in like motherfucker have you seen turbographic 16 i'll go blow your mind <laughs> air zonk is gonna shit your pants um, mm-hmm. But no, you know what? Actually, again, watching it a second time, that's that was my actual biggest takeaway. Was and actually, I took a couple notes about the movie, but the biggest one is, and I think that's the most interesting thing this movie does, is it does such a fantastic job of illustrating how much of an amazing musician Mozart is, rather than just relying on Celery's narration to tell it to us. Um, like, the, I mean, the first time we really get to see Mozart is when he shows up. And he recognizes what Celery was trying to write with that little welcome march that the Emperor tries to play. And mm. the fact that he can recognize what Celery was trying to write and, without actually even seeing the like the music written down, and is able to riff on it, is a good shorthand just to show, like, what a good ear he has and how much better than Celery he is. And, uh, also, yeah, that's probably the three big parts, the three, three big moments in the movie that establishes <clears throat> how good Mozart is. Is yeah that moment with the aria, which that actually just the way they drop in the music and the aria, like, and again that's so much on F. Murray Abraham's performance is that scene that you're talking about, like, not just explaining to the audience but emoting to the audience about how emotionally effective Mozart's music can be, especially, and I think they made a a, a strong choice with the music that Salieri's jerking off to isn't like a big percussive ninety piece orchestra thing it's just literally just like a little bit of you know ostinato strings and like a soloist singing over it like it's so simple but like it's so pure that it really connects that like and and so much the real theme of the movie is about god the fact that they even titled the movie amadeus which is just mozart's middle name which i guess means like beloved by god or something like that that's the overriding like theme of the movie and the fact that like that's the first thing we see about how good Mozart's supposed to be is kind of tied into like the voice of God and stuff like that it's very elegantly done by choosing a very elegant piece of music too 
And in the third kind of big beat in the movie where they use the show, where they show not tell how good Mozart is, is when Salieri finally gets his hands on his written manuscripts and he sees that, which this is, again, this is something that didn't happen in real life because I did, that's one of the first things I wanted to fact check when the movie was over is like, was, did Mozart just like write this music down on pieces of paper without editing it? And like, no, he he wrote he did drafts of his music he edited his music like anything else but it's a storytelling bit of shorthand in the movie suggesting that mozart the music just poured from his head straight to the paper without any editing or anything like that like so much other stuff in this movie that's not even close to how it happened in real life but it's kind of it's but it's effective storytelling and getting driving the idea to the audience across like how good Mozart was to everyone else, especially too, because the movie really, especially Celieri himself, does such a good job making himself sound like dog shit as a composer. And it's not that like he was dog shit; it's just that Mozart was so much better than everyone else, including Salieri. And because, yeah. like, even Salieri is like, "Oh, I'm the patron saint of mediocrity," and he actually wasn't that mediocre; it was really very good. But just Mozart was just like ten times better than very good. So, but yeah, and that's I think that is the most impressive thing that the movie does, and that's the thing that kind of kept me emotionally engaged for three hours was how the movie is so good at showing and not just telling and it, and like again with any movie with narration it's so easy to rely on the narrators telling you how you should be feeling and telling you the information but the movie also the movie this movie would work without narration is is what i'm getting mm -hmm. to but anyway i'm sorry i totally hijacked what you were saying that's fine but yeah that was like the one big note i took about the movie but yeah um i i was engaged waiting for the three hours for them to um use mozart's musical piece uh lick my ass <laughs> that's the other thing i had no idea like bill would you like to know the lyrics to mozart's lick my ass <laughs> please tell me lick my ass nicely lick it nice and clean <laughs> nice and clean lick my ass that's a greasy desire nicely buttered <laughs> Like the licking of roast meat, my daily activity. Three will lick more than two. Come on, just try it and lick. Lick, lick. Everybody lick their ass <laughs> oh for themselves. God. I love Mozart. I mean, obviously, the original is, is in German, so it loses some of the... No, uh, you just get the same Grace thing. and beauty of lick my ass. You get the same exact thing, except you get a lot of farting sounds from your mouth ears. You're going, <laughs> it's dust. It's speaking my It's just, oh my God. It wouldn't even sound perfect in German. Oh my Lick god. in arse. That just like, I can't believe they actually, that's, I, I can't believe they didn't make that a, 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 like even a joke in the movie. Like, and it's funny cause like, I, it's. Hey, why? <sighs> okay, so why was this on my list? Why on earth? Amadeus. Cause I didn't know anything aside from he <laughs> farted that one time <laughs> in the movie. Yeah. I didn't even I know that I don't know why much. it was on my list, too. That's why I was genuinely surprised when it happened. I had no idea. That's how little I knew about Mozart, because I didn't even... I'd never even seen a trailer or anything like that. Yeah, well, you're connected. And what would he have Ooh. done? What would he have done if he didn't have a fart loaded up ready to go? <laughs> Does he actually fart that scene, or is he making farts out of his mouth? Oh, no, I think that... Because I, I think fart. the insinuation, it's like, especially the fact that Salier is standing right behind and his wig blows I off. I can't believe they didn't make more of a meal the fact that the dude literally farts. It, like, it's only by insinuation that he's farting in his face. They don't actually, like, the the, the, the next shot after the after that should have been the reverse shot of, like, an animated fart flying out of his butt right into F. Murray Abraham's face. And I can't believe they didn't do it. <laughs> the actual movie yeah. showed some, some restraint there, but, um, <laughs> that's just pretty fucking, 
Oh my god. It is, I feel kind of... Uh, <laughs> at least he kind of apologizes at the end. Um, they do a good job of kind of like... Kind of, kind of redeeming Mozart a little bit at the end when he, like... It's, I, I guess he only did all that because he thought Cellier didn't like his stuff and... I don't know. Mm -hmm. It's it's. Well, they were friends in the real life. Well, so that's the genesis of the story. Is it, the the basic setup is what happened in real life, I guess, where Salieri was like the most esteemed composer in Vienna, was the core composer for the emperor, and he was a good musician. It, like, despite what like uh, this movie, well, it's 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 not the movies arguing that he was a bad musician, but. Uh, as opposed to what uh, Salieri has to say for himself in the movie, he was a good musician. And yeah, so mm. yeah, fucking Mozart showed up and uh, blew everyone else away. And I guess in real life, what would happen was he got sick shortly after the debut of the Magic Flute. It's not like it happened in the movie where he like literally passed out halfway through the first performance and died like six hours later. It was a couple months after the first performance of the Magic Flute. And I guess there was a lot of anti-Italian sentiment going on in Vienna at the time. And so people were just like, Oh, Salieri was was Vienna's most important composer until Mozart showed up, and the fact that he Mozart suddenly died so relatively soon after his biggest uh, opera premiered, maybe Salieri killed him. And according to everything I could read, that like the rumors that Salieri was responsible for Mozart's death in any way was completely fabricated. And yeah. but the rumors were enough to drive him to an at uh, attempted suicide when he was older, which you know that's. The, you know, the, the inspiration for the, the start of this film. And the thing that really kind of fucked Salieri's reputation was, <clears throat> I guess like two days after Salieri died in real life, uh, the Russian novelist uh, Alexander Pushkin, he wrote a, he came out with a book called, like, it's called like Salieri versus Mozart, and it is such a, like, about how, Mo no, he, I think, yeah, it was a book, it was a fiction book, essentially fan fiction about how Salieri did kill uh, Mozart. And I, I did see a great quote from, like, I can't remember who said it, but a historian said that Salieri didn't kill Mozart, but Pushkin sure as fuck killed Salieri. Because mm. that put that Pushkin book totally just, in the eyes of the public consciousness, just murdered Salieri's reputation. And so then I guess, uh, was it Peter Schaefer, whoever did the, 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 the play version? Paul Schaefer. Paul Schaefer. Isn't that what? <laughs> I can't believe he had enough time away from Dave to go write this play. So I guess using Pushkin's book as a basis, knowing half of it was made up and just like, you know, based on fucking shitty public rumor and stuff, did yeah. think, okay, what if I did a play based on that book? And incorporated the bullshit, in, but like did it in a fun, dramatic way. And again, not really supposed to be a, being a biopic about um, uh, Mozart, but more being a portrait of Salieri. If you took the book at face value about him being a green-eyed, jealous monster of Mozart, like that, like yeah, not 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 suggesting this is anything like what the real Salieri was like, but like I guess the playwright thought it was it would be if if we were to assume it was true. It would be an interesting dynamic to base a uh, play on, and I guess the filmmakers thought the same and decided to adapt the the, 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 the play, but... And... Yeah, no, like I said, yeah, this movie's not really about Mozart, and <clears throat> it's way... Sally is really the main the main character of the whole goddamn thing. I like he's kind of like both the main character and the villain at the same time, but... Um... <laughs> but yeah, so that's kind of the, the genesis of the whole thing. And, uh... Do you, uh, recognize, uh... 
Mozart's wife's mom? Yeah. No, there's a couple. I, okay. Yeah. I heard her voice and I was like, I know uh, that I, lady. Even from the voice. No, I did the moment she shows up. So, yeah, she plays, uh, I guess it was like Mozart's landlord, but her, like, he ends up marrying her daughter. She's the, the Jack and the Beanstalk's mom from Into the Woods. Mm-hmm. The original uh, Broadway cast, which is on iTunes. You should totally seek that out. If you're only familiar with Into the Woods from the shitty live action movie that was made a couple, from a couple years ago, ignore that shit. Go back and watch yeah the original Bernadette Peters version. It's on yeah the DVD is available on iTunes and stuff like that. It may actually be on like Amazon Prime and stuff like that too. But yeah, I was glad to see it, which is funny too because this would have been right around the time Into the Woods was premiering too. Because they I think they did film that stage play version of Into the Woods with the original cast in like 1986. So it was just like two years after this. But yeah, no, and then I did not expect Jeffrey Jones. To show up as the emperor, which is yeah, I didn't like him in that role. I, I mean, granted, it was fine. I don't, I don't like him in general. <laughs> really? See, I love Jeffrey Jones. I'll take Jeffrey Jones whenever I can get him. Um, which you know is maybe not the best thing to say about a mm. child molester. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like that, that was the heartbreaking thing when that yeah. news came out because I loved him so much because he was yeah. he he had such a specific energy that two other few people in in movies had in the eighties. And which I now comes across as just child molester energy. The fact that his most popular movie is Ferris Bueller's Day Off, where he's going around chasing a child, comes across yeah. a little bit differently these days. But I love the fact that like he pretty much must have filmed because Ferris Bueller just came out a year after this, so he must have filmed Amadeus and Ferris Bueller practically back to back, which cracks me up. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think of other, other crazy fact. I you know I really like the casting of. Um, Moats. Kenny Baker. Yeah. Well, that's the fact he actually gets a couple lines. And again, iTunes. I was looking through the cast. I was curious to see if iTunes, if you clicked on Kenny Baker, uh, if if it showed anything but the Star Wars movies. And no, it's just Amadeus. And for people who don't know Kenny Baker, he's one of the. He's pretty much the head dwarf. Uh, speaking at the um, there's the parody version of El. Yeah. Oh God, what's the name? It's the play with the. Oh. Il Gimino. I should, I should say, I've seen the Magic Flute. So. Oh, you've seen the Magic Flute? When did you see the Magic Flute? Yeah. Oh, years and years no, and years but and years and years and years ago. Was it any good? Yeah, it's good. Well, what's, we, it's been one of the, it was one of our earliest recommendations from a listener. What version of the Magic Flute? Uh, there's a bunch of oh, them. Oh, okay, I don't, I don't know if there was what specific... version I watched. If you're still listening to us, listener, you're probably not. I watched one in from the 80s, oh, yeah. I'm gonna guess, or late 80s, early 90s. I also wonder, too, okay, this got me thinking about last night, actually watching the production of the Magic Flute that's in this movie. I got to thinking about how I wonder if this movie was kind of a visual influence on Baron Munchausen. Because they would have mm-hmm. been just getting ready to put um, Terry Gilliam's Baron Munchausen movie together and all the stage stuff. Which, granted, they would also be pulling from the same reference sources too so like Baron Munchausen would have probably looked pretty much the same without Amadeus existing but uh Amadeus pretty much takes place at the same time the Baron Munchausen stories were supposed to be taking place and the fact that there's so much of like you know theater theatrical stuff and uh, tricorn hats and stuff I kind of wonder if this movie was a little bit of a visual touchstone for when Terry Gilliam was explaining how he wanted all the stage production stuff and Baron Munchausen to look I kind of wonder if he, if he pointed anyone towards uh Amadeus but uh, but yeah, no, him, uh, Mozart's wife. I kind of like her because she's so American. Yeah. It's funny because so much of the cast yeah. is no, she, like faux European. She does. Um, she does a very good job of that role. Could have been she could have been an incredibly annoying character, yeah. 
but she pulls it off that she's just very sincere and cares about her. That's husband. the thing, and, and uh, especially when I started like, okay, he's gonna get married. And I was like, oh my. When I when I first started watching the movie, I was like, okay, this is just gonna be again more like more of a biopic. I was like, okay, this is gonna be his because they show him getting married and he rushes into marriage. Uh, against the wish of his wishes of his father and stuff like that, and I was like, okay, this is gonna be the first of like four marriages we're gonna have to see him get involved in this fucking movie. And I'm glad that no, I think in real life he actually did have a couple wives, I guess, Mozart. But they just focus on this one lady, and she's she doesn't seem to be super particularly bright, but she really does legitimately love Mozart, and she go, goes out of his way to fight for him at every possible opportunity, without it, without them making too much of a meal in the movie, but I really like, like the casting, yeah, that's, the sincerity of that character is really appreciated. Well, and that's, I guess that's one of the other big scenes that's in the director's cut that wasn't in the original version, is the whole thing where she goes to Salieri's place to fuck him. So, Mozart will get the post teaching the Emperor's daughter, or whatever the fuck. I got it. I didn't quite get what was he trying to do? Was he trying? I think what they was he doing? leave it up to your imagination because it is because I think he's just wants to pull a power play. So mm. first he's all like, well, the fact that that whole scene comes after um, the thing about Mozart having fucked the girl that Salieri had his crush on. It seems to be that he's trying to get revenge on Mozart by like trying to fuck his wife. And it is interesting that when Salieri does, like, tiptoe up to that threshold where he... I mean, she's buck naked, she's taking her top off, and he could just fuck her right there. Uh, it is interesting that, like, Salieri, like, chickens out at the last moments. And it does... And the movie never really says anything, like, did he always mean to chicken out at that point? And was he the just... Because she gets pissed off when... Because the moment she gets topless, he freaks out, rings the doorbell, and says, get out of here, and he has his servant come in and whisk her away, and she gets pissed off, because, like, what the fuck did you bring me here for? Like, you just, I'm naked, what the fuck's going on? And I do yeah. like, yeah, the movie really never <laughs> says whether or not he intended to just hum humiliate her in this fashion, or whether or not he actually did mean to go all the way and just checking out the last moments. Uh, the fact that he is so godly and so much of his, at least in the movie version of the story, um... So much of his vow with God uh, is about his, like his chastity. You could argue that he probably just remembered his vow to God right there in that moment. Didn't want to throw. He didn't want to lose the moral high ground with God, and so chickened out with uh, with with the potential of being able to fuck the big titty lady. But it's but yeah, no, I really liked. And supposedly that actress, the originally was supposed to be Meg Tilly was going to play that character, but she, like, got fucked up in, like, a soccer match, and so she got brought in at the last second, and, yeah, just, uh... Always with the soccer. And she does a good job, even the first scene where we were introduced to Mozart when they're wrestling on the ground. <laughs> it's like, she does such a good job with Tom Hulse playing, like, it, like actually kind of pissed off at Mozart, but also still being kind of, like, under his wiles and stuff like that. It's, mm -hmm. it's, it's, it was good casting. I really love... She did a really good job in that role. And again, for a character who could have been... Who could have come across as kind of a shrew or not fun or anything like that, she was, like, really entertaining. And, 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 and yeah, her mom is totally awesome. Um... <laughs> and now, these messages... Yes, I know that. Oh, that's charming. I'm sorry, I didn't know you wrote that. 
I didn't. That was Mozart. Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart. The man you accuse yourself of killing. He was my idol. How good is he? The greatest composer known to me. Is it true? <laughs> I think you really are going mad. Our illustrious court composer, Maestro Salieri. If you have something to confess, do it now. Give yourself some peace. Ah, Mozart. He's remarkable, Majesty. I want to meet this young man. We're going to commission an opera from him. He's setting that play to music. I am working on something that is going to explode like a bombshell all over Europe. They say you have debts. I have to have time for composition. But your grace, I assure you... Your son is an unprincipled, spoiled, conceited brat. Shut up! <laughs> Why would God choose an obscene child to be his instrument? <laughs> Rather than let a mediocrity share in the smallest part of his glory. I'm a vulgar man. But I assure you, my music is not. Believe it. Fire which never dies, burning me forever. Oh, yes. Gonna party! Later today, we're gonna party with Mighty Mouse. Ah! Right after Pee Wee. I read Tim Curry auditioned for Mozart. I would have liked that. <laughs> well, supposedly... This is kind of a little heartbreaker for me. Is the two people, two of the people who played Mozart in the stage production of the play that this movie was based on, were Tim Curry and fucking Mark Hamill, which mm. that's fucking wild. I don't know. I I love Mark Hamill. I don't know if he would have quite. I can see why he may. Have I mean, been he would have been. He would have. He would have been as good as this guy is in my mind. I don't know. No, no, no. Yeah. Particularly like him as Mozart. Tim Curry. <laughs> I mean, he already has a, not, a distinguished laugh, so... Oh, my God. <laughs> See, he wouldn't be, like... <laughs> Tim Curry would not be able to handle this role and make it likable. <laughs> he would have just been this cackling villain the whole time. Like, like he would have actually been maybe a good Salieri, but I don't know if he would have been mm. a good Mozart, because, like, part of so much... Tim Curry's good at everything. What are you talking <laughs> yeah. about? But that Mozart's... He's even good at getting launched into space, into space. Surprise! Surprise! <laughs> but that, like, Mozart for this movie, at least the way Tom Hulse played him, there's kind of a certain kind of obliviousness, which I don't know if Tim Curry can do, because he always seems omniscient at all times. Um, mm. But yeah, I, I feel kind of bad, because this would have been... If this came out in 1984, this would have been shot in 1983, and if Mark Hamill had landed this, this would have probably helped his career a ton. Just because it would have managed to break him out of the whole Luke Skywalker uh, stereotype, or uh, the, the whatever you call it, uh, shell that he was stuck in after Star Wars. Again, I don't know if he would have been able to pull it off. I could see he does kind of have a Tom Hulse energy. I don't know if he can sing or play piano or anything like that. I guess Tom Hulse didn't know it. Like, he had to fake all the piano stuff in this movie, but 
Yeah, said he practiced for six <laughs> well, months. Well, not yeah, not fake, day. but he actually had to learn from the ground up. And like, yeah, and I don't the, uh, the uh, all the trivia on this movie was talking about how even if some of the actual like the the musical. The music that he's producing when he's playing the piano was like pre-recorded or dubbed later. At least what his fingers are doing are completely correct. Uh, mm-hmm. So yeah, I guess he really knocked himself out, and I guess it really worked. But yeah, but I could have totally Mark Hamill could have been an. I would have loved to at least seen a movie version of this movie with Mark Hamill in it because I don't think it would have been totally bad. I don't know if it would have been as good, but and it would have just mm-hmm. been interesting to see if that would like yeah, Mark Hamill's career would have had a different shape to it after Return of the Jedi. But he'd look really silly in those wigs. <laughs> That's true too. But he would have been like the appropriate age and everything like that. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think of other fun casting stuff. It's an interesting choice having Salieri always like munching on shit. Well, they kind of make a home. joke out of the fact that like yeah, he like the whole reason he even runs into Mozart the way he does is cuz he's looking for like he's trying to raid the feast table. He's trying to steal snacks. And I <laughs> get that sweet tooth. Yeah, oh that's right cuz the nipples of Venus with the, mm. he that's what he tries which I <laughs> saw I'm making a video about the movie and the lady who played Mozart's wife. She was like, "Yeah, everyone jokes about like those nipples of Venus scene." And she's like, no one realizes that the nipples of Venus were actually made of marzipan, and marzipan, marzipan's the most disgusting substance on Earth. And she said yeah. that she had to eat, like, 15 of those things, and because it was, like, one of the first movies she ever worked on, she didn't realize she could just request, like, a spit bucket and could have spat it out, but no, she just ate, like, 15 of those fucking things and she thought she was going to throw up. Um, but yeah, no, yeah, Cellier's got a sweet tooth, and even, like, when the Insane Asylum at the end, like, the guy, when, at the very end of the movie, like, last 30 seconds of the movie, when the Salieri's done talking to the priest, the guy comes in and takes Salieri away, he's like, Salieri, we have your favorite breakfast, sweet rolls, and, yeah, no, they did a good job, actually, <laughs> yeah, Salieri's got, like, a very specific personality, and I like he's, well, I guess because Salieri's kind of giving everything else up for God, like, I guess the, his one vice left, aside from trying to fuck big titty Mozart wife, is sweets, so. Um, I mean, that's why so many monks were fat as hell back in the day. Yeah, that's true, too. Yeah, I mean, that's... They, they, all they could do was eat and drink beer. Could they masturbate? That had to be against God, right? Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. And especially if you think God's omniscient and can see everything, it's not like you can really sneak in a, a jerk-off uh, session, but... Yeah, that's that's... And also, if you want to look at this movie from another perspective, this movie's all about how God religion drives people crazy because Salieri's only as worked up in this movie as much as he is because he thinks, like, it's not just that, like, Mozart's better than him, but he thinks God God is actually using Mozart as a tool to actively work against Salieri. So not only does he take, like, Mozart being better than him personally, but he also, like, ascribes it as, like, a like a personal grudge against God, which seems to work up Salieri even more. And yeah, <laughs> as I get older, especially living in America in 2020, it's getting easier all the time to want to punch religion in the face. But um, so that kind of skews my interpretation of like, you know, watching Amadeus right now for the first time and Salieri's motives seem extra. Just kind of like, come on, dude, get your shit together. But yeah, that's it's it's yeah. Have you seen any opera? I saw when I was like in middle school. We got dragged to an opera, and I can't even begin. It was like a fat lady singing at the end kind of opera. It was like some kind of shit. I can't even begin to tell you what kind of opera. How about you? I've seen a couple. Yeah. Uh, Operas. You mean in the flesh, not just like on DVD, like the Magic Flute, right? Uh, both. 
Yeah. I've seen. I saw. I can't remember if we saw Marriage of Figaro live or Barbara Seville live. Um, I think it was the Barbara are they not the Seville. Same thing? I guess not no, if they have two I different titles. So. I thought. The, I thought the, like the. <laughs> see, I thought the Barbara Seville was like an act within the Marriage of Figaro, or vice versa. Um, Is the Barbara Seville Mozart? Man, this show is like. Uh, no. Apologies to anyone listening it's to this not. who knows anything about classical music, because again, uh, I don't. Like I said, I don't even know Mozart from fucking Beethoven, from Bach to fucking. Like, you talk to Barbara me about. Barbara Seville is uh, by. Oh, I just had his name on my. But yeah, it's not uh, 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 Cesar Strabellini. Really? Okay. I don't know. That was. Man, and fucking. <laughs> That's also funny, too, watching this movie and, like, kind of seeing how, like... No! Gionchi Rosalini something, I don't... I'm Italian, motherfucker, it, I don't know. It is... Don't ask me to pronounce these dudes' names. It is funny to see how, quote-unquote, transgressive the Marriage of Figaro was supposed to be. And again, I'm watching this, and I'm like, it's a bunch of people singing, like, how is this... It's like when, when you find out, like, uh, supposedly the Rite of Spring caused a panic when it was first performed in, like, 1922. And, like, you listen to the Rite of Spring now, and you're like, what the fuck? What's... Again, we've made this joke before, but, like, this is what people did before they invented Nintendo? Like, what the fuck? To be fair, everybody was high as hell on opium. Or lead poisoning in 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 the yeah. paint and stuff like that. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so... I guess... So, I'm in I am in a weird place where I don't mind watching operas. I, I wouldn't mind watching the Magic Flute again, but man... Well, I was about operas to... Can be, operas can be so boring. Well, I was about to ask the operas that you've seen, were they in English at least? No, no, no. Have you ever seen an English opera? You mean an, an an opera that was written natively in English? Again, or it just, yeah, or sung. Are in they English? bad? It's, it's really awkward. Oh, okay, which makes sense because like they're not singing because uh, the I dialogue would be written I, for specific like. I mean, I remember in- I I saw chunks of an operatic version of a streetcar named Desire, and it was one of the worst <laughs> things I've ever seen in my the life. The joke is that the uh, streetcar is not a musical, right? That's the joke of the Simpsons version, right? <laughs> yeah. Okay. I, 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 it wasn't until recently someone pointed out that Streetcar is not a musical, and I was like, oh, I guess that's, <laughs> oh, now I get the joke on The Simpsons a little bit, um, <laughs> which again, it shows how much, how little I know about musical theater. <clears throat> well, I guess that's, but no, that's more, so well, you I... know the way that they sing everything in an opera, and when you can oh, understand the, the lyrics, it gets really awkward and really weird. When you when you can't understand them and you you're just reading the subtitles, yeah. because they have sub when you go see opera live, they have a, a subtitles there too. Yeah, cause you know um, what's better than going to opera is reading the whole fucking thing rather than actually even being <laughs> able to enjoy it. Ugh. I mean, I can see what you're oh, yeah, talking about, the... but like, well, it's funny. What well, Amadeus when they're singing. People are just standing on the stage singing, so it's not like there's a whole <laughs> I know lot exactly. Of you're not missing happening. anything. It's not like the fight choreography. You're gonna lose out on anything. Well, dude, in Amadeus, they're singing on English on the stage because they're translating all the German stuff. Yeah. Which, again, actually watching it in the movie is weird. Because, like, I, mm. I, I didn't occur. To, it didn't occur to me until partway into the movie that any of the plays in the movie that are in German, because the whole th- thing is like <coughs> anyone who's German is, is, is speaking. Is, is speaking with an American accent in the movie, and they, they, they even take that to the to, to the operas and stuff, too. Yeah, and, like, partway through, like, the first uh, opera, I was like, wait, it's actually just singing American, and it just seemed kind of weird, because they're all like, Whoa, this, la, la, la. hey, them guys is singing American! 
That's, I can't believe it. When you're American, there's no American. other way to put it. It's not just even English, but like, yeah. <laughs> oh my god. And, yeah, I'm trying to think of anything else interesting about the movie. Um, I did, I kind of, the, my favorite part of the movie, aside from the whole mm. mechanics of explaining how good of a musician Mozart was over everyone else, my favorite part of the movie was at the end, what do you think about the ending when, when Mozart gets sick, he goes see peace and he die, and, but they, they, they do a little music jam and they work and they create that, that thingy together. <laughs> What'd you think about this? And he's all snap, and he's like, yeah, 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 jam. <laughs> yeah, that's not my speed. It turns into fucking whiplash real quick. I did like that scene. Um, yeah, I felt like, and we, with all the scenes Mozart's in, that felt like the best acted for him. He wasn't bad at the rest of it. Well, he's just, not overacting. Which... No, I think I, the, Mozart <laughs> felt too clean, if that makes yeah, sense, for that. the time period. Yeah. Like, everything should have been a little bit more I mean, stuff was. It is a chamber pot. Mozart, yeah. Mozart seemed maybe that was part of the problem I had with the actors. They seemed too clean. Yeah. I mean, it's maybe not so. It's not like first night clean. There's that terrible '90s. I can't even say it's terrible because I've never actually seen it, but the commercials looked ridiculous. There's a movie in the '90s that came out that called First Nights, which was like mm -hmm. Julie Delpy and and fucking I can't remember who's in that, but like. It looked like a movie that was shot, at least from the trailers, it looked like it was a movie that, sh that was shot at medieval times. Because the costumes and everything everyone's wearing looked like they were just, like, came straight from, like, the like the fucking factory in Mexico to these actors in the Hollywood Hills. Like, there's absolutely no attempt to put any kind of grit or any kind of, like, feeling of reality into anything. And Amadeus isn't that bad, but it's definitely... Which I, it's it's it makes the movie feel a little bit cozier that it's not super dirty. Even the insane asylum at the beginning and end of the movie, like if Terry Gilliam had made this movie, there'd be shit all over the walls and it'll be all nasty. Whereas in this version, <laughs> it's all just like you can tell they kind of just filmed that shit like in like in, like in a military museum, and yeah. but it's not like it doesn't smell like piss. Let's put it that way. So. It's a little more civilized. I mean, everybody looks like they eat farts. No, but like, but yeah, it's funny. The, but the world, world isn't made of farts. <laughs> Everyone's turning into farts from the inside out. But yeah, it's not like they're living in such a disgusting world. Um, and that guy was the sweaty fart man was familiar, but I can't find him on the cast list because he's not listed as sweaty fart man. <laughs> actually, if you type in Amadeus fat man, I wonder if it would come up. But yeah, actually, mm. I wonder if you type in Amadeus 1776. Not that oh, really he matters. In yeah, he played. Uh, he was the dude from Maryland because I remember that because you instead of pronouncing it Maryland, which that's at least how they pronounced it in Pittsburgh, he's always talking about how it's Maryland. So mm. that guy, that guy, always stuck in my head. But man, 1776 is so fucking good. Uh, but yeah, I know. So at the end, there's an exchange at the end of the movie which i really that kind of sealed the deal for me on la me liking the movie which is nice because it's also the last scene in the movie it's it's kind of the climax of the movie it's the scene where mozart is trying to exp you know he's they're working together to write the 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 the, the requiem mass and and mozart says do you believe it and Sellier says what and mozart says the fire which never dies burning forever because i guess the piece of music that they're writing is about um, demons being cast into hell in the triumph of good over evil. And Mozart's question about a fire which dies burning forever, I was like, oh, that's nice, because he must be talking about philosophically, like, about their music living forever. 
and and Salieri agrees, and I thought that was a nice little philosophical touch. Rewatching it, I realized he doesn't say a fire which never dies burning forever. He says a fire which never dies burning you forever. He's essentially t asking Salieri if he believes in hell, and uh, mm. that's less interesting because my first take on that, I thought they they were talking about the music. And this is after Mozart has already apologized to Salieri, and they've become like actual like kind of friends now. And the, like the fact that I, I like the idea that the first thing Mozart would ask after they finally like clear the air between themselves a little bit would be like, "Do you believe our music can live on?" And like Salieri would say yes, and that would kind of justify all the shit both of these characters have gone through in this movie. It's kind of disappointing to think I accidentally misread that <laughs> into the ending of the movie, and it's actually just, yeah, Mozart asking Salieri if he believes in hell, which is a little more mundane, and which ties better into Salieri's perspective because his whole thing is he's driven by God and fear of hell and all this shit, but it's kind of less interesting. And the thing that, um, one thing I did find that was really interesting on YouTube, I need to figure out how I can find this again, but... Um, someone took the whole ending of the movie, like that seven-minute scene where they're composing together, essentially, the death mass. Um, somebody mm -hmm. actually took that scene, took the audio from that scene, and compared it to the actual written version of that piece of music as it's generally accepted as it is now, and also translates all the Latin that they're talking about in that scene. And so you get to see exactly, like, it is really just the, the at least the part of the Rec Room Death Mask that the, the, the writing together in that scene is essentially about, it, uh, yeah, demons being cast into hell. And that little, it's almost kind of a callback to the beginning of the movie, how there's like a Soto soprano voice that comes in as like an angelic voice on top of the demons, like banishing the demons away to hell. Um, and how like that that is like the like kind of the voice of an angel, which is funny because then that's what also... Uh, Mozart's kind of singing in bed. He was like, "Blessed, blessed I am. I'm from heaven," or something like that. And then the voice comes in and stuff like that. But it's yeah. If you like, if, I'm, I'm gonna look it up on the, uh, on YouTube right now and see if I can dig it up. But it's really cool. Yeah, again, like it's, there, there's no talking head or anything like that. It's just a bunch of text and just showing the progression of the music as as it exists now compared to the notes that Mozart is dictating to Salieri. And it's kind of cool to see, like, okay, yeah, actually, like, I don't know, I just thought it was kind of a cool visualization of everything that Mozart's dictating to Salieri. Mm -hmm. That was really cool. Even if it did highlight the fact that, like, my first original take on what Mozart is asking Salieri in that scene was wrong, which is less interesting. I like my original take about fire burning forever but um what else what do you think about wow spell it was three hours long <laughs> for a movie that was three hours long i'm trying to get anything else that was good in there um a lot of a lot of sugary sweets what do you think of the mario 64 collection was that pretty good i don't know amazon's taking their sweet ass time oh you didn't buy me. it digitally no Aww. i feel bad because you totally you bought me a copy of that, essentially. You gifted that to me, and it was very appreciated. That's fine. I've played them all before. So oh, yeah, you're not missing that much, but... Yeah, what the fuck is up with Amazon? Plus I'm playing... I wouldn't be playing it anyhow. Well, everything's on fire, and the world is ending, I Bill, know, but so. still, it's a little... <laughs> it's, 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 it's... Especially because we live in the uh, uh, Pacific Northwest, and we both of us live pretty close to the Amazon Distribution Center, so... Yeah, yeah things are... Fucked up.
Where is... Uh, no, I've been playing Spelunky 2, so that I'm, I wouldn't be playing Mario anyway. Uh, how's Spelunky 2 treating you? It's hard as shit, yeah. but it's very good. Um, okay, that video about... Essentially, that just illustrates the whole writing of the, the death mass at the end. Um, if you just look in con uh, Confutatis, K626 scrolling score, it's a 7 point, uh, 7, 7 minute point, uh, 7, uh, 7 minute and 46 second video on YouTube. Um, yeah, I think I found it just by looking up Amadeus Confutatis, and it's like the first mm -hmm. thing that'll pop up. And yeah, no, it's, it's, it's just like, yeah, just a nice, just giving more context to exactly what's, uh, what they're, they're kind of composing there at the end, and what the story of what's happening in the scene is, and, and, yeah, so, um, so, yeah, it's good. Spelunky. I mean, it's fine. Think, uh, yeah, it's hard. It's fun. Good. Are there, like, whole new Making... worlds and stuff? Like, there's, like, new biomes <laughs> you're going to and stuff? Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was playing it, and John was sitting on the floor next to me, and it died in a horrible way, as you do every time. Mm -hmm. And I said, crap! And he just started singing, crap, 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 crap. <laughs> so, it's reached that stage where you gotta be careful what you say around At me. least it was only crap, too, yeah. Yeah. Um, does he actually ever want to play the games? Like, does he ever want to lay hands on a controller? But now and then. Oh, wait, so you're probably playing playing on PC, doing, though, right? No, it's not. It's only on PS4. Right? Oh, it's only on PCs, PS4. PC's in, like, two weeks or oh, something that's like weird. that. Three weeks. I wonder if there's an exclusivity uh, deal or something. Yeah, there always is. Man. I'm glad you like it, because I know people fucking love that Spelunky shit. Like, it sounds like even the yeah. smallest change to the formula would be enough to drive people nuts. Um, no, it's more Spelunky, but it's good. It looks like how you remember the original Spelunky. Not the original original, because I was on PC and it was 8-bit looking. Oh, really? I had no idea. Looking. Yeah. Well, then, with the, 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 the Spelunky that everyone knows, that's... That's not that old. It's less than a decade old, right? And it's all hand-drawn anyway, so it's not like that's... The pixel art would have aged or anything, right? Yeah, no. It just looks a lot cleaner now. Yeah, my only experience with Spelunky is for the... Oh, God, what was it? Was it Ashley Birch from... Oh, God, I think she commissioned me to do... To draw some artwork for an edit of that game she was putting together as a gift for a friend. And that's mm. my only... I've never actually played Spelunky, but I've drawn artwork for yeah like 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 some kind of patched together version or something like that so i got to see like how the animation frames for the main character works which is there a main character in spelunky or can you kind of change that character to like do they wear costumes and stuff like that uh there's different characters oh, okay character select screen oh, that's cool do you like do you max out different is it like tony hawk where they have different stats and you can max out like their stuff or no like okay no same thing every time. I know people just can take a monstrous amount of time into those games. I don't know how much... Different items. It's randomized. Well, I'm glad you like it. One of the few, like... Because I've, I've reached the point in video games where if I'm reading a game description and it all seems cool, and then they throw in the, the, the two worlds procedurally generated, I'm like, well, fuck that noise. Mm -hmm. I'm so sick of procedurally generated shit. Yeah... I, I'm glad I didn't play too many games with that stuff in it, but, like, I fell hard into the whole PUBG Battle Royale stuff, which is kind of like the, mm. kind of the other, on the other end of the spectrum from, from procedurally generated. It's like, what if there's only one map and you just played it a million times with, like, a map, with a hundred other players? But, yeah, um, yeah, no, it's, 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 is there anything else coming out this fall that you're interested in as much as Spelunky? 
probably, but I don't remember. Yeah, no, it's been yeah the Mario collection. It's 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 been good. Everyone's complaining because especially yeah. I mean, I was bummed more than anyone else at the fact. What? No, people don't complain. <laughs> no, but it is ridiculous. They didn't try to do anything to the controls or the camera mm-hmm. in Mario sixty four, and especially Sunshine. Like as like I I played Sunshine again for the first time like a decade ago. And even playing that on a Wii with a GameCube disc and a GameCube controller, I was like, oh man, my hands feel like they're losing their fucking minds because these controls don't make any sense anymore. That was a decade ago. And a decade after that, those controls feel even worse. And I'm I'm actually surprised at how much of a good time I'm having going back to Mario 64. What do you think of all the controls in in those three games? That would be the one that would have aged the worst. But, yeah, fuck. Man, Mario Sunshine's a fucking mess. Um, but, yeah, no, no, good to me. Thanks, thanks again for gifting that to me. It was very, very, very appreciated. So, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, really that. yeah I'm like, I've only got, like, 20 stars. But for me, like, I tend to be a slow poke with my games. That's actually quite a bit that I've only gotten, like, in a day and a half. But, but yeah, Amadeus. That was a pretty good movie. I was surprised. Again, I was yeah. surprised at how much I really genuinely enjoyed that. Yeah, I was, um, I'm surprised how much I didn't dread going through it. Did you? How long <laughs> did it take you to watch that thing? I know three uh, hours, but well, did I you speed it up? Half an hour. Uh, I watched half an hour earlier in the week, oh, okay. and then the other half an hour yesterday or the day before, okay. and then the last two hours of the day sped up. Okay, yeah. Well, that's the thing. The movie does move slow enough that you can watch it sped up. And you're not going to miss that much. Do you watch it sped yeah. up with subtitles? No, there was no subtitle. Oh, that's right. I forgot. It's the copy that I found in the internet dumpster that we were trying. That's right. Shit, I forgot about that. Yeah, usually my housemate, I could have given it to him, and he's usually pretty good about tracking down subtitles and and putting subtitles in the stuff, but this is something I found myself, so. It had no subtitles. I'll have to buy the real version, because I like that movie enough. I would actually want to throw cash at the people who made it. Not that I'm sure (sighs) it's... I I think Hollywood, the way the Hollywood studios are set up i'm sure most of that cash goes just goes straight to whatever big studio owns that movie and not so much the people who made it what no but yeah no like i was generally surprised at how much i liked amadeus i i, yeah, I even texted dylan last night i was like hey guess what tomorrow we're recording an episode about tardy the party about amadeus finally got around to watching it and she was like yay and yeah she... she's like now are you <laughs> impressed by my so art she about? said the version my that she saw i forget who she said played amadeus but no, 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 I forget. I can't remember who she said played Salieri, but Michael Sheen played Mozart, and that's actually some great fucking casting. Michael Sheen... Oh, God, I'm trying to think. He played Wesley Snipes on 30 Rock. Um, He played the bar owner in the last Tron movie. He's been a whole bunch of stuff. You might recognize his face, but I really like him. He's good. I don't want to call him a character actor, because he, does, does, he doesn't does just do character roles, but... He's a good actor, and I could totally see him being a good, like, really, just, like, a little bit of a prick. Mozart. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. So, next <laughs> week... God, I'm trying to think. Am I missing anything with the... With... I'm going to check my notes, because I actually did take a couple notes. I mean, um, it's three hours, so you're missing something. I, there were certain parts I was like, oh, I'd probably talk about that. Like, it's got Vincent Schiavelli in it. I think that's the other thing. That's literally the first actor you see in the movie. Anthony... Anth- uh, Vincent Schiavelli, um, he, I'm trying to think what else you would know, he is in Fast Times, Ghost. Regiment High, who, what else? Oh, is he's it, in, is, are you talking about Ghost Man? Ghost, I forgot, I forgot 
ghost exists. I need to go back and rewatch that because now that I'm watching, he was in Buckaroo Bonsai. Right? Oh yeah, I was gonna say he. You described him as one of the '80s greatest Ugo actors. He is. Look at his face. Oh my god, <laughs> Skia Valley. He's so good. He was. I think he. He was like one of the the, the Penguins henchmen in Batman Returns. Mm-hmm. He's been a thousand things. He, he, if, 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 if you ever see a picture of him, you go, oh, it's that guy. Yeah, he's like the first actor yeah. you see in, in, in Amadeus. And that's, that, I think that's the thing that kind of like kept me interested more than anything else at the very start of the movie. Um, yeah. Oh, God, anything else? Yeah, no, the fire which never dies, burning forever. That's my favorite part of the movie. And, of course, he just... I like that he just drops dead. Like, so plot conveniently, just... Yeah, it's... it's, it's this movie's... Very much a melodrama, and I very much like it. But, uh, yeah, next week, I think we're doing Disney Through the Decades. It's an episode we've already recorded, actually, so... Yeah. What was... It's, uh, uh, melody time. Oh, it is melody time. Which wasn't... Yeah. Yeah. No, not, not... It had moments. Yeah. What was it that we had watched that made... Oh, it was watching Looney Tunes. Uh, right before mm-hmm. doing Melody Time, which made Melody Time kind of come off as as worse than it actually did, because Melody, Melody Time's not actually that bad, but... Yeah, so, uh, so, so yeah, we've got Melody Time on Disney Through the Decades. Go check that out. Um, if you want to see 20 minutes about Pecos Bill... God, fucking, forgot about Pecos <laughs> Bill! God, it's fucking lame. No, it's the tugboat that you really hate. The tugboat. Go watch, go watch the fucking, yeah, go watch Melody Time. When you get to the tugboat part, skip real fast through it, which it kills me to say, because, again, it's the Andrew sister singing that part of the movie, and it's my favorite musical part, but the actual cartoon itself is a fucking waste of time. I think that after that, then we have to start worrying about, or at least I have to start worrying what, what I'm going to do for October, because then I have to, like, do I do, do I, uh, well, you get to decide if you want to stick to Disney for the decades or... Uh, do two Halloween things. Oh, we're watching Mr. Boogie. <laughs> no, we're not. <laughs> well, I even pointed out that, like, chronologically, the next Disney Through the Decades episode will be Ichabod and Mr. Hollow. Toad. So even if we stick through Disney yeah. Through the Decades, at least one of these, the next episode will be, like, Halloween appropriate because it'll be Sleepy Hollow. Um, You said you had seen Sleepy Hollow, right? The Tim Burton version? Yes, I asked you if you had seen Yeah, I think that was at the end of next week's episode that you'll listen to, yeah. Um, but yeah, I'll have to figure out what I want to talk about for my two episodes for October this month. And Yeah, yeah it we'll might be tempting out. to do maybe one movie. All right, all right. I can't do it no more. Hold on, I got pee-pee. Especially, <laughs> I love it, especially when you know I'm ready to talk for five minutes so you can just go take a piss. Yeah, I have to decide if I want to do something. Since I have two episodes, maybe I'll do something I actually haven't seen before. Maybe I'll go back and revisit another thing that I do love that I've seen before for the second episode, vice versa. Um, man, I'm almost kind of tempted. Even though it's relatively new, I just saw Midsummer, and I was actually kind of surprised at how much I like that. Despite me, I was not very impressed by... Hereditary, and I think that's partially because everyone talked that up so much that I think in uh, uh yeah, it got talked up too much, so my expectations got too high. So when I finally saw, it, I didn't did not did not dislike it. I just was like, really, that's the whole thing. Um, oh god, yeah, apologies too, because I may have had the same conversation at the at the end of next week's episode when we st- when when I, when I first realized that we have Halloween stuff coming up, but. Yeah, Halloween stuff on my list right now is Cue the Winged Serpents, Return of the Living Dead, which I've seen before. Nightmare on Elm Street 3 that I've seen before. Oh, that's right, last year, because I was thinking about doing my two favorite 
Freddy and Jason movies, uh, which mm. are Nightmare on Elm Street 3 and Jason Lives. Hey, Jason Lives is, that is the sixth one. Um, other Halloween movies on my list are Terror Vision, The Conjuring, Chopping Mall, Slumber Party Massacre, Night of the Comet, Near Dark, Night of the Demons, Mystics in Bali, welcome back, Sweet Home, <laughs> not too Sweet Home. Oh, that oh, was one of the games. The NES episode. Yeah, because we did... Oh, that's right. Last year, one of the things we did was like a horror game special. I forgot about that. Uh, Seventh Curse, Rocky Horror. Did we talk about Rocky Horror? Oh, yeah, we were going to talk about Rocky Horror. Did we never Rock actually... Because I know we've talked about it before. I can't remember. No, I I, br- I was like, you want to do Rocky Horror? And you were like, I want to save it for October. Oh, yeah. I mean, if you want to do uh, Young Frankenstein, an American movie. Um, American movie so fucking good. Um, yeah, so that's, that's, that's actually the, the, the list of stuff that I have on my Tart of the Party Google Doc. I'm trying to think of anything else that's beautiful. But yeah, Thank so we could have done WrestleMania 2. That speaks to how good I thought Amadeus was that I to- don't totally regret having done this in lieu of another WrestleMania. Um, Wow. Which that's my highest compliment because <laughs> it's been a, it's Amazing. been like two years since we did WrestleMania one. I keep meaning to go back and do another one because we had that's such a good time with that first one. But oh, I have more the, the thing we talked we talked about the thing we did. Oh, that's Abbott uh, Abbot and Costello meet Frankenstein. That's right. Oh, a Friday the Thirteenth PS4 game, which I'm sure no one's playing anymore. Trick or treat. I saw that. That's a piece of shit. Mm. No, it's not a piece of shit, but it's not that great. The blob. Oh, okay, yeah. Anyway. But yeah, if people have recommendations for Halloween stuff, uh, feel free to throw it away. Do you have any interest in seeing Midsummer? No. No? Why? Do you do you, do you not like scary movies? Like actual scary movies, not just like... I just don't give shoe shits. <laughs> like, I like the, the special effects behind them, but I just don't yeah. care about scary movies. It's actually, I kind of, I like, I like Midsummer just because it's like, a, it's a horror movie in the broad daylight. It's not all about spooky dooky scary stuff. I watched The Invisible mm. Man last night. The new, mm. like, the new Universal, the thing with the fucking Mad Men in it. It was fucking terrible. Like, it wasn't like, what? it wasn't bad from stem to stern, but like, there's... But no, everybody's uh... talking about it. <laughs> It is interesting because that was one of the first movies that like got dumped straight from theater straight onto VOD. And I am so glad I did not pay like thirty dollars to buy that brand new sight unseen because I was tempted just for the novelty of like, oh, this is the, one of the first movies that's going straight to video. But yeah, that was not that great. Um, but yeah, we forgot we something. What we're doing? Well, like I said, next week we know what we're doing because we've already recorded it. It'll be Melody Time, Disney's of the Decades. Go check that shit out. Go say hi to Slewfoot Sue for us. The hottest Disney yeah. redhead. Who actually, I guess I can't say that because there's. You can say whatever the fuck you well, want. Well, no, because know. if I say that, then everyone's gonna be like, but, but. Not Amadeus. What's her name? Her name's Ariel. That's what it is. Yeah, but she, you, people can't say that because she's 16. Oh, shit. It, is she? Yeah. Aren't all the Disney this princesses like, like 16, 16 years old? I'm not a child. You're Don't you take that to oh, advice with me, young Wow, woman. you've really seen that movie. My sister watched it a lot. Yeah, my sister was not into the Disney stuff, so I didn't have that excuse. Like, I think it's okay to have a boner for a Disney princess, especially if you were, like, a kid when those movies were out. Like, it's a little bit creepier mm. if I'm, like, a 45-year-old guy watching The Little Mermaid for the first time and going, oh, yeah. But if you're, like, 12, 
You're like younger than Disney princess. I don't give a shit. Of course you're gonna be sexually. I don't think I've ever been like, like, oh yeah, with. Uh, no, I know. Well, I was, uh, you know, I was 15. No, I was 14 when the Little Mermaid came out. So I just. I okay. I'm an older woman. Ah, that's what I'm saying. Legally allowed to have that boner. Oh man, it's. <laughs> I is it, I hope scientists have done papers on how human sexuality has been completely twisted by Disney princesses, both women wanting to be them and dudes wanting to bang them, and also half the ladies also wanting to bang them too. But my uh, you know. my wife mentioned that. She's getting me, uh, aside from what I know she's getting me for my birthday, she's getting me a surprise present, uh -huh. and she said she showed it to you, and you you said it was the greatest gift that might have ever been made, and I, I was like, so you're getting me a Mary Poppins real doll? Because that's what Bill would think the greatest gift ever made is. I'd be terrified. I don't know if I could... I would be... When presented <laughs> with a Mary Poppins real doll, I would be totally like Salieri with Mozart's wife, where I would think that's what I want. When when actually presented with the real thing, I'd probably feel ashamed <laughs> of myself and then run away. <laughs> the moment I get to see her, her rubber vagina... Yeah. Uh -huh. Oh, God, yeah. Oh, God, yeah. Mm. <laughs> I'd rather just masturbate to the movie than... Mm, mm, yeah. Mm, Jesus. Well, Give me a holodeck, a though. Place. That might be a different thing. Give me, like, an actual oh, flesh and blood yeah. facsimile of young Julie Andrews. And... Oh, Jesus H. Christ. Okay. Right, anyway, about? that's all to say. He's a moderate on Twitter. I'm the Grumpy Turtle on Twitter. Howdy Podcast on Twitter. TardyPodcast.com. Share us around. Whatever. Our listenership does go up when you... Tweet about us on Twitter, yeah, not just retweets. So you might as well get that going if you don't feel ashamed that you listen to this kind of garbage. And thank you for putting uh. up with us uh, talking about Amadeus. Two very uncouth dudes talking about such a fancier and refined film. It won 11 Oscars, blah, blah, blah. blah hey, blah, I've blah. seen operas. I fancy. Which is totally fitting because it's uh, Salieri is the patron saint of us because we are the patron saints of mediocre podcasts. Um, Yay! Yeah. I did like that when he's all like, he, "How can you be a, how can you be a med mediocre priest?" Because he, he he's like slams on the he's like, "Ah, oh, I speak for you. I speak for all of us. I speak for everyone who's mediocre." Like, how do you? I mean, I guess maybe you could be a bad priest if you. <laughs> I don't know. I'm trying to think about it. I don't know. I know. Is he's talking more philosophically? He's not dismissively accusing of like. The guy's the way he gives rights is not as good as that other guy over there. But I just thought that. But yeah. No, party no, no. party. Triple T to the P. Yay. We did it. We did another Yay. one. Yay. Three hours wasted of our lives. Because we spent that time playing more Animal Crossing. Oh, Yay. God. I, you know, I, just, I think almost 750 hours in Animal Crossing, which is how many... I could have watched Amadeus multiple times during that 750 hours. At least twice. At least twice. Is that like 20 times? I can't even I do math. Jesus. Don't ask but anyway, me yes, to yeah, do so anything. I, I feel we should, we should get some kind of podcast award for talking about watching Amadeus and talking about it. That shows how much patience and refinement we have. Um, Yeah. And we weren't pompous about it, which is the now, real. Yeah, I love. I, there have, I'm sure there have been other podcasts that have talked about Amadeus, but are real pompous. Oh god, especially when they're talking about like what an Oscar winner it was and stuff. And I like what we're willing to admit. We're like, 
don't know what the fuck Mozart from anything else. I don't know. I mean, I'll have to, now that I've got the soundtrack, maybe I'll listen to his stuff more and be like, ooh, blah, blah, blah. I do like that part where it goes to the I know his twiddle. music. You just ask me what he do, and I don't. I, yeah. I've seen the magic flute. I wouldn't have known he did the magic flute except for that lady going, ah, 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 that's, I'm there. Well, that's the kind of funny thing that got me thinking about that is, like, I don't know if you've seen Bill and Ted 3, but they go back in time and they meet a, 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 a Chinese flautist named Ling Lung. And it's funny because she's playing a flute, and then Mozart goes up to her, and I don't know what he says because he's speaking German. But he's like, and then he picks up the flute and he starts playing. I don't know what he's playing, but like, I was like, oh, that's kind of cute because he's known for the magic flute, so of course he would be all about the flute. I thought it was cute. The end, so. The end. Okay, we'll be back. Yeah. Um, the fire that never burns, never dies. Do you believe in it, Daniel? The fire that burns brightest, burns shortest. <laughs> That'd be great if like, there's this beautiful music about creativity and frustration. It ends with the most shittiest platitude of like, Salieri, I'm really sick and I think I'm going to die tomorrow morning. Do you think the bright, do you think I'm a really bright candle that burns twice as fast? Salieri just farts and I was like, <laughs> I was there, motherfucker. That'd be great if that's how kills him. He just sits on his face, farts, and he dies. <laughs> <laughs> it cut the black. Remember when you said my music was a fart? And some kid watching that gets suddenly develops their first sexual fetish. Oh my, I just love, I get a very specific picture of F. Murray Abraham looking so satisfied while wriggling his ass over Tom Holtz's face and Tom Holtz can't get away. Oh my god. I imagine the, then the, the cuts to like the fucking reaction of the priest to old F. Murray Abraham telling the story. He's just like, oh my fucking god, that's how you kill Mozart. <laughs> oh Jesus! Okay, yeah, that's we. Okay, the super director's cut coming next year from Target Party Production. Yeah. Okay, take care. Right. Get out of here. Audios, get out. So long. Get out for a lawn. Help! The humans about to escape. Get your paws off me, you dirty ape! <gasps> he can talk. He can talk, 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 he can talk. I can sing! Ooh, help me, Dr. Zayas. Dr. Zayas, Dr. Zayas. Dr. Zayas, Dr. Zayas. Dr. Zayas, Dr. Zayas. Oh, Dr. Zayas. Dr. Zayas, Dr. Zayas. What's wrong with me? I think you're crazy. Want a second opinion? You're all so lazy. Dr. Zayas, Dr. Zayas. Dr. Zayas, Dr. Zayas. Dr. Zayas, Dr. Zayas. Oh, Dr. Zayas. Dr. Zayas, Dr. Zayas. Can I play the piano anymore? Of course you can. Well, I couldn't before. This play has everything. Oh, I love legitimate theater. I hate every ape I see From chimpan A to chimpanzee No, you'll never make a monkey out of me Oh my God, I was wrong It was Earth all along You finally made a monkey Yes, we finally made a monkey
Grazie, signore. 